Okay, good afternoon. I need to make a quick rant about something that is really annoying me. It's one of those things where I heard it a couple times, and the first few times you just ignore it. You're like, uh, I disagree, but whatever. But then you hear it a couple more times until you realize, wow, this is a commonly held belief. And I 100% disagree. This is so bullshit. And the fact that so many people are stupid enough to believe this bullshit is really annoying me. So I need to talk about it. And the bullshit opinion that I disagree with is that law school admissions has so many barriers to it. It's so reductive. It has so many gates to keep people out. So only the privileged get to go in. Oh my fucking god. Okay, let me back up. Give you some context here. I was listening to this podcast, and this podcast, again, mind you, this is not the first time I've heard these opinions, had a panel of a bunch of students who had gone through law school applications, and they're currently waiting to hear back, and they just asked them different questions. What was the hardest part of this for you? What is something you were surprised about? Stuff like that. It starts off really interesting. You hear them share their different opinions on the waiting game is harder than the actual studying for the LSAT. Somebody else said studying for the LSAT was really hard because they just had to work really, really hard to improve in logic games, and I felt that. So that was nice. But one of the students, you can just tell when someone is a Gen Z liberal. You can just tell by the way they talk. And I've met people like this before. One of them was in my CASA cohort. And they have this beautiful crystal clear voice. But it's the way they speak and the words they use. It's a lot of buzzwords. That's when you can tell it. You're like, mm. And there was one girl in that panel that I was like, hmm, as soon as I heard her speak. And then a couple more answers later, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. So she talked about what was so frustrating is how reductive the application process can be. It's just so reductive. I feel like there's so many complexities and nuances to each person, and it's so reductive to be brought down to just, you know, mere numbers and a mere GPA and a personal statement. And the personal statement's only two pages long, and I feel like there's just so much more to each complex person. And I can't, I'm not even doing a good job imitating her. And I am not going to put myself through listening to that podcast again to be able to imitate her better. But you see what I'm saying? It's just so like overly compassionate and idealistic to the point there is no realism to it. Like, what do you want? Everyone to submit a fucking novel on their personal statement? That's not realistic. Reductive? You're given two pages to write something. How is that reductive? And then she continues in her other answers to talk about how law school just seems like such an exclusive and elite and privileged process that only the privileged get to go through because you, there's so many barriers to it. It's such a confusing process in and of itself. It's so expensive because unlike SATs, you have to hire a tutor to get through the LSAT. You have to hire consulting firms which are three to 8,000, by the way, in order to make sense of this such confusing process. And it just seems like there's so many gates that keep people out, like pre-law advisors. And I'm just thinking, I'm listening to this, like, okay, how many gates have you mentioned? There's the LSAT, there's the GPA, and an essay. What other gates are there? She mentioned pre-law advisors as a means that that's another gate, because if you don't have a pre-law advisor, what, what, you can't go to law school? You can't apply for law school? I get this huge inkling of just weak lack of initiative 
exuding from all of this complaining. It's exuding a very low bar for how much they are willing to do and how much they're expecting other people to do for them. And you can imagine, of course, she goes on to say, and so it turns out that only the privileged get to go to law school. And then it ends up that all similar people with similar mindsets end up in the school. And then those end up being the people of power. And then there end up being these power grabbers. And so I followed what she's saying up until that last statement. What do you mean there end up being power grabbers? How does having a lot of very similar people with similar backgrounds, which I do agree that happens, how does that turn into creating power grabbers. I think they're power grabbers regardless of that. So here is my problem with that. I have never once felt this way about the law school application. And in terms of consulting, here's the other thing I've heard, consulting being super expensive. I don't know if it's because they're young, they're students, and they have no life experience, or it's because they are dumb and whiny and unresourceful that they expect so much. But I'll give you a contrast experience. When I decided to go to law school, you know what I did? I went to my library website and I searched law school. And I pulled up a Kaplan book, put that on hold, and then two other books came up as well, law school admissions books, and I checked those out as well. And I also had Googled what book should I read about law school and understanding if I want to go to law school, and there was a lot of websites with a lot of book recommendations. I checked those out of the library. So I'm reading these books for free. And it turned out that the admissions book that I read was written by a former admissions person. So in that thin little book of maybe a little more than 100 pages and no bigger than the size of my hand, I learned so much about the process for free. From the get-go, I understood the nuance of a holistic application and that even though I have a low GPA, schools will recognize that I was a STEM major and I went to a very competitive school as a STEM major, so I'll probably get a little bit of mercy with my GPA. I also understood that the whole point of the personal statement is to write down and explain anything that they cannot already get from your resume and from your test scores. From that single book, I had a pretty nuanced understanding of how the application process works, and that gave me a lot of confidence. And need I remind you, this was all for free from going to the library. So I don't know what you mean about gates and needing to be expensive, because the LSAT can be very cheap to study for. There is a book, an infamous book, that if you Google books to study for the LSAT for, you get something called the LSAT trainer. That book used is $18. $18. The new book is $60. $60 fucking dollars. That is not expensive. $60 and you can prep for the LSAT. You don't need a tutor because the LSAT trainer is designed to help people to self-study if you are self-motivated. And you're trying to go to law school. So aren't you self-motivated? Can't you do this shit yourself? So I don't understand why they think it's so confusing. And on top of that, LSAC is the organization that created the LSAT test. And they also, on their website, give out a free study academy called Khan Academy that you can use for free. It teaches you the LSAT as well. And there's another company, the one that I am using, called Seven Sage. Seven Sage is 69 a month. 69 a month is not a lot. A part-time job working at the gym cleaning toilets could pay for that. So I really don't know what you mean. Because even if you are coming from a poor family and unlike me, you haven't been in the workforce for a while. And so I'm not making sales money, right? You can still get a part-time job and pay 69 bucks a month. And on the topic of consulting being super expensive... 
I don't know if it's because these people are poor because they're students. So to them, you know, when you're a student, $3,000 is a lot. Again, though, get a part-time job. A part-time job can save $3,000 in a couple months. You'll study for the LSAT for a couple months. So then by the time you are done, you will have saved up the $3,000 for your admissions consulting. And even if you do think that's expensive still, $3,000 is the lowest. It goes up to $8,000. Is it the lack of foresight that they don't understand in the long game, $8,000 to go to law school, to go to the best law school you can, which then carries you into getting a big law job that starts you at close to $200,000 a year? That's nothing? Because in sales, we come across that a lot. People will say, oh, this is too expensive for me. And then you tell them, well, look in the big picture, the long term of things. And the same thing happened in my negotiations. I was trying to negotiate for a higher base salary. I was denied it because he said, a couple of years from now, we're going to be laughing at the fact that we're negotiating over 5K. Even sales experience aside, I know a lot of people, when we make decisions about big purchases in life, we think of what it's going to give us in the long term. There are people that bitch, moan, and mock people who spend money for these consulting services because they think, why would you do that? That's so expensive. My question is, why do you think that? I'm starting to think that I am very different from these applicants. I'm thinking it's the age difference, the life experience difference, the lack of foresight, and most of all, how much they're asking for things to be delivered to them. What more do you want how much lower can they make the bar for you to feel like this is fair and equitable? I feel like this is the same mentality that you see in other areas of life where people are complaining about equity and that things are super racist and privileged. Because in their head, they create this idea that poor, underrepresented minorities have no skill set or capacity to do anything themselves. And so they keep asking to lower the bar and basically deliver everything for free. So at what point are law school admissions going to make these people happy? If you think it's confusing now and you think it's expensive now just because you didn't go to the fucking library, do they just need to let everybody in for you to be happy? I don't think I'm mad at this exactly because of politics. It's more of the other way around. The reason I disagree with the politics is because I ultimately disagree with this mentality. The amount of, of just laziness and expecting things to be delivered to them on a silver platter is alarming and repulsive to me. And it's concerning because I'm starting to think these are the people I'm going to go to school with. And I am probably going to pull my skin off having to listen to these ultra-liberal Gen Zers complain about the complexities and the nuances and how difficult it is for people to get into things. And it's just like, let me remind you, the best way to increase your socioeconomic status is through education. To be able to study, to go to law school with only $60 and a library card, and that allows me to go to the same elite schools that in the past only legacy rich kids, elite kids, and prep school kids could go to that's progress. It's that same trope you see in movies, movies that come from novels, novels that are either based on real life characters who we find admirable or based on fictional characters who we've created to be inspirational, 
of that one poor kid who's smart and studies hard so then he's able to go into that school where all the other rich kids go and that's how he improves his life and then brings it back to his family (sighs) the one good thing is i think this is going to allow me to take a little bit of pressure off myself to go to yale because i understand now realistically I may dislike going to Yale. And that is a scary thing for me to say because I want to put all my eggs and energy into this one basket of trying to go to Yale. And I don't want anything to dissuade me from that. And so in my head, I worry that admitting I may not actually enjoy Yale is going to take away some of that enthusiasm. But I think that's also helpful for my mental health because I am going insane here, putting so much pressure on myself to go to only Yale and having this little just mental game of knowing, okay, well, there's a little dig on Yale. Might not be so bad to go to a more conservative school, or at least I don't even want to go to a conservative school. I want to go to a balanced school where there's dialogue. That's what I want. That helps me look forward to other schools like UVA instead. Also a top school, but not Yale. And I think that's just going to help me with this marathon and give me more energy and inadvertently actually help me maintain my enthusiasm for Yale because I won't be so burnt out. But yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye.